Well, we are in our series called uh, The Nuns, and let me kind of explain that if you weren't here last week. There was a um, survey done about religion and religious practices, and this was an independent survey, and they asked people what religion you're a part of. Are you Christian? Are you Jewish? Are you Muslim, Buddhist? On and on and on. And so people checked all that, but there was a, there was a small group of uh, 23% who said who checked the box, none of the above. 23% of Americans are now saying they have no religious affiliation. Now, when we hear that number, it doesn't really register, I think, until we realize how many people that represents. And last week, Pastor Daniel did a great job last week, did he not? Last week, great word. Such a good word last week. That number, though, that 23%, that's 70 million people. Now, just let that sink in for just a moment. 70 million people got up today and weren't thinking about church, weren't thinking about God, weren't thinking about going to church. And, and most of that 23% are not people that are antagonistic towards God. They, they just either have never had any religious affiliation. You heard Megan say she was not raised in church. They, they have no religious affiliation because they just weren't raised around it. And so they maybe it's not that they're antagonistic towards God or the church. They just have checked none of the above. Some of them are antagonistic towards the church. They, there are perceptions they have about the church. But 70 million people woke up today as a nun. Far from God. No light in their life. See, if you don't have God in your life, you're just in a dark place. Those of us who are followers of Jesus, we know that. And we're called to take that light into that dark world. So I want to talk about that for a few minutes because this is what I believe about the nuns. I believe that every nun wants to be a one. Every nun wants to be a one. Now let me explain that. I'm a homebody. I, I, I love to be home. Like I, and, and it drives Laura crazy. We've been married for 33 years, and she loves to party, okay? Um, I mean, Christian parties. Uh, but she, uh, you know, she just loves to party, and she loves a good party. And she said, there's people, and there's a party. She's like, I'm in. And, and I'm like, I want to I just want to stay home. And, and now I know when I say that, some of you are like, oh my gosh, was he at my party and didn't want to be at my party? Is that what it was? I don't know. No, no, I, I, I like going, but there's a point where I'm at the party, and maybe you can relate to this, where you get, you're at the party, you're having fun, and then you're just done. You're like, I'm done. I want to go home. I just want to go home. Like I was at a birthday party uh, for a little kid a couple of weeks ago, and this little, little cute little kid comes running, mommy, mommy, I just want to go home. And I looked down, and I said, so do I, kid. So, so do I. I mean, the thought of my PJ pants and my hoodie are waiting on me. You know, I mean, I just, I can't, it's getting to be fall, and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I feel like I'm like Mr. Rogers, you know, where I'm going to go, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, just put on my PJ pants and... Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I just love it. Okay, so you're all looking at me like, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I love being home. Like, have you ever been on a long trip? 
I mean, a long trip. You're driving, and you turn around, and you got that long drive back home, and you've been stopping at rest stops, but they ain't exactly restful, you know? Like, you walk in the bathroom, it's like, don't touch anything, children. Do not touch anything. There's nothing restful about it. You just can't wait to get home, and then you get about an hour from the house. You know that anticipation you have? Oh, my gosh, we're almost there. But the frustration that hits you, too, because it just that last hour just lasts forever, and the kids are just driving you crazy, and you're like, we should have just left you at the rest stop. I mean, you just, you just so, but you just envision, you just have these visions of, oh, I'm going to be home. What love being home. Like, have you ever stayed with family, and they're like, hey, sorry, don't have a bed for you, but hey, here's a blow-up mattress. Oh, by the way, the pump doesn't work on it. Sorry. So there you are at 1130 at night. You know, I'm going to soon. And then you get on it. And what happens? What happens? 3.30 in the morning. You're on the floor. And what are you thinking about at 3.30 in the morning? We, uh, you know, it'd be easier just to get the kids, get in the car and drive home. That would be to pump this mattress back up. I just want to go home. We love home. Now, I, I love home because I, I love my family. I mean, I just love being around my family. And, and there's just something about when you're at home, this, it's this idea of, of safety and, and security and just like warmth. Like you just be yourself when you're at home. Isn't that awesome? Like nobody cares how you, like you dress. Like you guys, I know how y'all are. Y'all got up this morning and you just put on your duds. And you're like, oh, I just wonder what everybody thinks about me. And you just like, is this going to look right? Is this going to be right? I mean, I'm serious. I changed my pants like three times today. Check with Laura. I did. I'm like, does this go with this? Does this go like this? I'm just doing this in front of the mirror. She's like, I don't like those pants. Put on other pants. And I said, these pants look good though, don't they? These are the right pants for today. Come on. <laughs> the men are like, I'm seriously uncomfortable, but I'm going to clap. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you just, I just, I love being with my family because I don't have to do a breath check with my family. I just walk up, good morning. Because they just love me for who I am. Here's what I, here's what I believe. Every nun wants to be a one. I think every nun wants a home. They want a, a family. And that's the church. The church is a family, it, it, it's a home, but the, but the issue is, is that there's this perception that the church is not a place where they are, where they can belong, where they can be known, and where they are needed. That's the three things all of us are searching for, by the way. Every nun is searching for these three things. If you want to write these down, they're searching for a place to belong, they want to be known, and they want to be needed. And we know that because you feel that way, and I feel that way. Come on, tell three people right now, I know you feel that way. I know you feel that way, whatever your name is. I'm not sure. Everybody wants to, a place to belong. Like, and here, here's what happens is there's this perception, and I use the word perception on purpose because there's this perception that the church is not a place you can belong. In fact, it's, it's a place where you got to behave before you belong. That's the perception that they have about the church. You gotta behave before you belong. Or you know what, they, the church has this perception that, oh, you know, if I go there, they're gonna label me. Or, or yeah, they don't need me, they just need my money. If you are a nun, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, you got invited by a friend or you just came in and you're trying out church again, just, you know, dipping your toe in the, in the shallow end, 
I want to tell you, listen, at Core Church, we are a people where you belong before you have to behave. This is a place where you belong. We're just glad you're here. We don't label people here. What we want to know is your story. We want to know your name, and we want to come alongside you. We don't want something from you. We truly want something for you. We we want you to experience the hope in Jesus that we've experienced. We want you to find healing for your soul. We want you to have peace of mind. We desire for you to have purpose in your life. So if you're taking notes, and and I know you are, um, because that's who you are. Um, The majority of you are. Some of you are. Okay. Okay, a couple of you are. Just amuse me here. Okay, all right. I want you to write this down. All right. This is, this is what I want you to write down because this is what I want to talk about for a few minutes is people don't need a place to worship. People need a house of worship. People don't need a place to worship. They need a house of worship. They need a place where they belong, where they are known and where they are needed. They need a, a family. And Jesus talks about this and he tells us this, gives us this beautiful illustration of home. Look back at Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 13, and let's look at these verses again. Here's, here's what Jesus said. He described it this way. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests. In other words, birds come and they make their home in its branches. Now, in this story, Jesus, what he's doing is he's talking about himself here. When, when he says he's the smallest of all seeds, we know this about Jesus. Is Jesus really, um, he, was not, he was not born to royalty. He, he was born and raised down a dirt road in a small town. Nobody ever went down this dirt road to this town. Nobody ever came out of that town, back out of that road. It was a nothing place. And, and his parents, they were just simple people. They weren't royalty. They were just, his dad, was just, his dad worked with his hands. He was a blue-collar worker. His mom was just this young lady just trying to make her way in life, just He was just the smallest of all seeds. But what we know about Jesus, and the Bible doesn't just confirm this, actually uh, history confirms this, is he grew to be the largest of garden plants. Like he says, the largest of garden plants. His fame and his name went out. He was incredibly popular. People would come and see him by the thousands, okay? His message resonated with them. They were drawn to him so much so that the religious leaders of that day, they didn't like him because he was more popular than they were. And they were kind of the celebrities of their day. The religious leaders, they were like, they, you know, they dressed the part, they looked the part, and everybody liked them. And they were like, yeah, walk down the street, they knew, you know who I am. And, and suddenly, somebody is eclipsing their popularity. It's Jesus. And, and he is drawing people by the thousands. And then he says this interesting thing here. He says, birds come and make nests in its branches. He uses this word birds intentionally. It's an intentional, intentional wording here because birds, birds are considered unclean. Birds are, are considered dirty, they're considered demonic. And, and I'm telling you, we have had geese on this property. I'm here to confirm to you, they are demonic, okay? <laughs> have you ever tried to approach a geese? 
Like, they, don't they, they just look amazing when they're like, quack, quack, and they fly in V formation. You're like, oh, it's beautiful to write sayings about it and everything. Have you ever tried to approach one? I have. You walk up to them, and you're like, hey, little geesey geesey, and they're like, that's the sound they make. Demonic. Come out. And so we've had them on our property, and man, they, they poop all over the place. They All over our parking lot, on our sidewalks, they're a nuisance. And I... I, 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 wish this was, I wish this wasn't true, but one morning I got here early and I saw them pooping in our parking lot and I was in my Suburban and I gunned it and I laid on my horn and I rolled down my window and I was like, eat this sucker! And they're like, wag, wag, and they're like, I did not kill, I didn't hit any of them, I promise you. I, I'm just glad nobody was striving by with like Facebook Live. Oh my goodness, you're not going to believe what's happening at that church right now. That is just bad news. <laughs> but the, the, the funny thing is, I actually had a hunter in our church. This is true. A hunter in the church came up to me and goes, Hey, Pastor, I can take care of them geese. <laughs> like, what do you mean you can take care of those geese? I got a bow and arrow, and this is ag land. I just, and I got them taken out. <laughs> And the vision that came to my head was like our cute little three and four-year-olds having their cute little story time in the back, and then, oh, mom! You know, I just thought, no, bad idea, bad idea. But I, I actually told the hunter, I go, hey, if I don't know about it, then I, I don't know about it. So, but birds are messy, and they make a mess, and they are unclean, or they're, as they would have said in this day, demonic, but what did Jesus do? Did Jesus chase them off? No. Did he honk at them, get away? No, that's what the religious leaders did, but we learned this last week when Pastor Daniel was preaching that actually what Jesus did is Jesus went and ate with those notorious sinners. He hung out. He didn't chase them off. He invited them in, in all of their mess. He invited, he said, you know what? This is a place where you can make your nest. This is a place where you can make your home. But Jesus really is also in this story. He's trying to illustrate and tell a much bigger and a much more important story. He says right off the, the, the bat in the very first part of this, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like. And he uses this word kingdom intentionally because right now they're being ruled by a tyrant, by a kingdom that is very oppressive, the Romans. And Jewish people are just being oppressed and brutalized and taken advantage of. I mean, the, the way it worked back then is if the Romans, if they were a Roman citizen or a soldier, they could, if you're walking down the street, whatever you're carrying, they could just take it from you. Just give me that. If they wanted your home, if they liked your home, they could come and take your home from you because they ruled over you. And they took advantage of them, they mistreated them, and they brutalized them. And Jesus comes in and says, the kingdom of heaven is different. And he's kind of telling the story, like, the kingdom of heaven, as we see from Jesus' stories and the things that he taught, is Jesus, his kingdom was really one of grace, one of mercy, one of forgiveness. He was one who not that would push you down and oppress you, but he is one who will lift you up out of your mess, okay? He is, a, he is a God of hope. He's a God of healing, a peace of purpose. Like, this is our God. This is who he is. And he says this. He says it's like a, like a seed planted in a, in a field. What we know as followers of Jesus 
is that Jesus came for a greater purpose. He came to die. He came to die so that we might live. Those same religious leaders that were jealous of him, they said, we got to take this guy out. He's stealing our popularity, and we don't like it, and so we're going to take him out. And so they killed him, and they put that seed in the ground. But thanks be to God, we know that he has come out of that ground, and he has grown to the largest of garden plants. Can I get an amen from God's people? And that is what he has done, the largest of all garden plants. But that garden plant has grown into a tree, and this is what's amazing. For 2,000 years, for 2,000 years, the church has persevered. For 2,000 years, the church has been a place where people could come and make their nest, where people could come and find a home, where people could come and find hope, where people could come and they could find grace and mercy and forgiveness, where people could come and they could raise their family. Like This is the story of the church for two thousand years this is who we are this is what we do like you i have been just incredibly moved by the hurricane and the devastation of what happened in texas and just seeing some of the images and hearing some of the stories and when i seen some of the images like this one here when you're looking at an image of the devastation of houston and you see this picture over and over again. But one thing I noticed when I was looking at these pictures is something that stood out to me was the trees. The trees are still standing. Despite the hurricane, despite the flood, the trees are still standing. The birds had a place to go. This, this is the church. This is who we are. It doesn't matter the storms of life. It doesn't matter the struggle. The church will stand. We are here. We will be here. We will always be a nesting place where the birds can come home. This is the church we are. Let me, let me just paint this picture for you of what's happened just, just in the last year. This is just the last year of people who've come through our doors and I've had the privilege of meeting and, and talking to and, and hearing their story. One, one gentleman who came in, walked through our doors, had lost his job. Sat, his, sat down with his family in these seats and he had lost everything and he sat in these seats and, and you were here for him. Another family visited for the very first time and they had lost everything. Their career had been torn apart. Their marriage was torn apart. They were barely hanging on. They were hoping in God, and somebody was out there at the front door to greet them and say, hi, glad you're here. Another lady came through the doors of our church in the last year, and she was struggling with depression. She was barely could get up and come to church, and if you'd have seen her, you'd have never known she was struggling because she put on the good face, but I knew her story, and you sat next to her. Another gentleman came in and we got the next step card and their first time and it said on it suicide survivor this is this is who we are this is who is coming this is who's sitting in the seat see you you may know the names and the story of the people sitting next to you you may know them but do you know the story of the person sitting in front of you you know the story of the person sitting behind you so many times we just just take for granted, well, we're just in church, but what you don't realize is you're sitting by a couple and their marriage is barely hanging on. You're sitting by a gentleman who's lost his job. You're sitting by a woman who's 
just in a heap of depression. Maybe right now you might be sitting next to somebody who's contemplating suicide. Let me just stop and say this. If you are here, and that's your story, and you're like, I'm, I'm one step from the edge, can I, can I encourage you to take a step back today and just contemplate the love of Jesus, the hope that he has for you? And if you just open yourself for just a moment and just say, all right, and you say, all right, God, if you're there, let me, let me hear from you. If you give him 10 seconds, he'll give you back your life. He will give you a lifetime. But this is who we are. This is who we've always been. This is who we will always be because people don't need a place to worship. They need a house to worship. Come on, tell two people next to you. They need a house. They need a home. They need a house. They need a home. I love because at, at Core Church, we are, we are that mustard seed that has been planted in, in a field. I, I just think back to the, the last 17 years, and I, I, I remember sitting on a leadership team meeting at Central Church in Tulsa, and our pastor had this uh, crazy idea to start a church. And I remember sitting there, and some of you have heard me tell this story before, and, but I was sitting there, I didn't, I didn't say this out loud, I promise I didn't say it out loud, but he talked about starting this, this church in a school, and I just thought to myself, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. A, a church in a school? Now, today, we may think of that as commonplace, but it wasn't back then. You were supposed to be in a building. And God thought that was really humorous because he's like, yeah, you're going with them. <laughs> so I did. And then I remember when our founding pastor, Brett Ricky, he was um, thinking about this land and he brought uh, a few leaders out and I was one of the few leaders and we came out here and we stood out on the land and it was all grown up and and he just began to cast this vision. This is it. This is where we're supposed to be. And I remember looking around. It was nothing but a field, a two-lane country road. There's no exit ramp on the, on the Creek Turnpike. There was no Warren Theater. There was nothing, no, no building, anything. And, and he started casting this vision like, I said, there's going to be a building right over there. And, and then our kids and our youth are going to be here. And then God's going to, and it just people are going to, I can see the road. And I can see people coming. And this is what God's going to do. And man, I just thought that, hey, yes, this is who we are. And this is the thing I want you to know is God has intentionally planted us in this field. This is our community. This is who we're called to serve. This is who we are called to reach right here in this place. But all of us individually have a mission field. All of us have a part to play in this, this same story. Is it's, it's God has intentionally planted you in a mission field. He's intentionally planted you in a family. Like you look at your family, you're like, really? This is on purpose? Wow. <laughs> yeah. God, God gave you that brother-in-law. I'm glad he's not mine. But he gave him to you. Like he intentionally planted you in that neighborhood. He intentionally planted you on that ball team. And he intentionally planted you in, in that workplace. But can we just be real? Can we just be honest? Sometimes we do not like the field that God has planted us in. God, get me out of this field. Can I just be real? Can I just be a little transparent here with you? I, I, I remember when I was going to going to become a pastor, and I started talking to God about becoming a pastor and where he wanted to send me. And I remember praying specifically 
that God would send me somewhere to the coast of California. I mean, anywhere, San Diego, Santa Cruz, I'm open to all of it, God. And I was praying, I wish I, I was praying that way. God, send me this, oh, I know Santa Cruz. I know they need Jesus. Let me go there, God. And then I realized how ridiculous that was, how stupid that was. I was like, I got to open myself up to whatever God wants. And so I added the mountains to it. <laughs> wish it wasn't true, but it's true. And I was like, okay, God, maybe somewhere in the mountains of Colorado. I mean, I was just, it was just crazy. That, and I was like, anywhere but Broken Arrow, and I felt, like, I felt like Jonah and Nineveh, you know, like, no, anywhere but Nineveh. And God said, no, that's your mission field. This is where I've planted you. Now, what's interesting is, is that I, I've really grown to love my mission field. I, I mean, I love Oklahoma. I, I love, and what I love about Oklahoma is, I mean, I love the sunrises. I love the sunsets. I, I just, but what I really love about Oklahoma is the people. Like everywhere I've been, I just like, I can't wait to get back to my, my people. Like just recently I bought, I, I, I did it finally. I bought a pickup truck and I was like driving my pickup truck. Yeah. Mm. I, mean, I was driving my pickup truck and I'm like, that's right. I am one of y'all now. Come on, rolling up. That's right. You know, I mean, I, like I could never be a pastor in Midtown. Okay. Cause the, the, the yuppies and the, and the, whatever they got going on there and the weird hats and the skinny jeans and the, and the deep V. I mean, I got a V on, but they got like the, they got a V comes down to here like this. I'm just, I just can't. Are, anybody from Midtown here? I apologize. Is there... <laughs> Dennis and Lori are here, aren't they? They're in this service, aren't they? There you are. I'll just, you know I love you. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're like, you get that, don't you? No, I'm kidding. I, I have some friends that pastor in that area. But, but I, I just love, I love the people here, and I've loved, learned to love my mission field. But sometimes we don't like where God has planted us. Come on, let's just be real. Let's just be honest here. I mean, sometimes you're just like, oh, there's my neighbor again smoking that reefer. <laughs> I can just smell it. I can just smell it. I can. God. Lord Jesus, I feel the spirit moving right now. Spirit of Doritos coming over me right now. I've got... That's terrible. I'm sorry. That was bad. I don't know. Any... I just heard the stories. I've just heard the stories. But we don't like the workplace. I don't like the job I'm in. I don't like the family. I don't like this family. I don't like whatever. I don't like the ball team. My mom, we lose every single game. But could it be that God intentionally planted you in that field? Could it be that God intentionally put you in that mission field on purpose? Because maybe that neighbor next door is in trouble. And God knew the perfect person to put next door to them. Could it be that the person you work next to that you don't really know and you don't really want to get to know, but could it be that God puts you right next to that person at work because he knew you were the right person at the right time in the right season with the right personality and the right story to help that person that is struggling? God intentionally puts us in a mission field, but, but also it's, it's, we got to understand this. Man, work in our mission field is hard. It is hard work. Like in, in, this, in this story here, we see that the seed becomes a tree in like two verses. Seed, plant, tree. Two verses. Bling! Don't you wish life was like that? Just that quick? Like every parent knows that's not the story. Don't you wish your kids were like, bling? But it ain't bling. It's more like kaboom most of the time than bling. But it takes time and you got to work your field. Like that's our story. 
That's the story of Core Church. We, we have stayed steady for 17 years and worked the soil. Okay, we've been here through drought and we've been here through doubt. Okay, it's one thing to be in a season of drought. It's one thing to be in a season of doubt. But it's a whole nother ball game to be in a season of drought and doubt. I remember being here and people going, maybe we should just sell. Maybe we should just sell. Maybe we should move on. We're like, no, we are pressing forward because this is the land that God gave to us. This is where he planted us and this is the work that he has for us. And we started as the smallest of all seeds. Man, 17 years ago, I remember being in a living room with our founding pastor and 11 other people. And here in the story, it was written on two pages of paper that all the different things that we wanted to see God do through this church. And then I remember going to the Union 6th, 7th grade center where, where we started. And I remember that very first Sunday, and I remember standing there, and, and, and I remember looking over the chairs in this cafetorium and wondering, is anybody going to show up? <laughs> and they did. And then I remember uh, eight years later, and, and, and Dave, you remember this. Dave and Lisa, you remember this. And we went to Rosa Parks Elementary. You remember that? 2008. 2008, man. 2008, Dave and me and a few other people, and we went to East Tulsa, and we found Rosa Parks Elementary School, and we stood in this, and I remember standing next to Dave, and he's like, you really think people are going to come? I go, I hope so. <laughs> and they came. And God has been so faithful, and he is growing us into a mighty tree for his glory, a place where birds can come and make their nests, a place where people can come and find their home. Do you know that in the 17 years that we've been on this journey, we have seen hundreds and hundreds of people come to faith in Jesus and be baptized? Hundreds. Let that sink in. Hundreds and hundreds of people baptized like Megan and her family, being baptized, saved, brought out of the darkness and into the light. We've had, I've had a front row seat to watch people go off to become missionaries to another country, to start ministries in other countries, right, Todd and Jody? Go to other countries to start a ministry to orphans in this community. I've watched it all happen. A couple of weeks ago, Buddy Davis and I were at a sending party for one of our own, young man, newly married. God was raising him up to be a pastor. And he and his bride were going off to California to become pastors. And we stood in the front entryway and we all laid our hands on him and, we, and I had just had this honor of being able to and privileged to be able to pray for him and kind of send him off and commission him into ministry. That happened on our watch. It happened because we started this church. This is who we are. This is what we are about. We will always go to the nuns. We won't wait for the nuns to come to us. We will go to the none of the aboves and we will tell them, the story you have heard is wrong. Let me tell you the story of Jesus. Let me tell you who he really is. Let me tell you the hope you can find. Let me tell you where your family can find a nesting place, where, where you can find a home. And we're just getting started. Like, this is just the beginning. It's not enough that we put out two extra rows today. 
I'm so pumped and excited. They put two extra rows and we didn't have enough seats. Man, that's exciting to me because that means more and more opportunities for people to come to know Jesus. But we cannot stop with just two extra rows. We have got to go. We've got to go to the fields where Jesus is calling us to go. And my dream and my hope for us is that we will go to other parts of the city, places that people are running from that we will run to. And maybe just maybe one day God might give us a field in North Tulsa where churches are leaving by the truckload and people are leaving by the truckload, but it's like the hurricane. We don't run from the hurricane. We go into the hurricane to rescue people from the hurricane. We're the ones taking the boats into the flood. We're the ones bringing people back. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to keep going into every field that Jesus calls us to until he tells us to stop. Now, guess what? He ain't ever going to tell us to stop. (laughs) Jesus is not going to go, all right, you added two rows today. You're good. Proud of you. Now just sit back and enjoy it. No. Jesus is like, listen, here, this is the thing. We are going to, uh, we are going to grow and then we are going to go. We are going to grow and then we are going to go. We are going to grow and then we are going to go. Decade after decade after decade after decade, long after all of us are gone, we are going to be growing and we are going to be going. We're going to be going across the city. We're going to go across northeastern Oklahoma. And if God will allow us, man, maybe just maybe we'll go around the world and start a church somewhere where we don't even know the people. This is what God's going to do. So it begins, though, with each of us embracing our mission field. That's where it starts. It's not about me. It's about us. Together, answering the call of Christ. As followers of Jesus say, I'll go into my field. I'll go into my mission field. 